In the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, once again, the Apostle Paul is giving a very practical challenge to his young protege, Timothy. Paul is in prison. It doesn't look good. He's been to court one time. The Lord delivered him out of the mouth of the lion. So he has a little bit of time to write to Timothy, send a letter to him and tell him, hurry up. Come before winter. And when you come, bring my coat, bring the Bible, bring other readings that I can read. And here we find at the end of his life, he's still interested in knowing more about the Lord, more about the scriptures. So he challenges him. He gives him a personal challenge. He gives him a practical challenge. He gives him a perilous day challenge. He tells him in 18 different sins. Some are selfish, some are sexual, some are searching, but all will one day be stopped with the testimony of a godly man and a, a decision to stay faithful to the Lord and a focus on the Word of God, on Scriptures. All Scriptures give inspiration of God and is profitable. Why did God give us the Bible? He says, from a little child, you've known the Holy Scriptures. Number one, so we could be saved. Number two, so we could be successful. What we do with the Bible determines what God does with us. And if you want a successful life, you're going to need to have a relationship with the Bible. Not just listen to pastor preach it or Sunday school teach it, but to read it, and we'll find out tonight, to study the Bible. And then he says, the Bible is given to us so we can be saved, so that we can be successful and be profitable by it, so that we can be seasoned, so that we can be mature, perfected to do what God wants us to be. A relationship with the Bible helps you mature. Some people grow, up, grow old, but they never grow up in the spiritual life. Don't be that way. You ought to be able to handle things differently as a child of God. And a relationship with the Bible will help us with that. So it's given to us for salvation, for success, for seasoning, and for service, that the man of God may be perfect, complete, seasoned, uh, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. When you get into the Word of God, God's going to stimulate our hearts to do something for Him. Uh, a, a student of the Bible who just reads the Bible and doesn't have stimulation, something's wrong. God needs to stir our hearts. He gave us the scriptures, and they are to know and reveal Him to us. But knowing Him causes us to want to labor with Him as well. And then the last chapter is about the parting challenge Paul gives Timothy, and he references several people. But in chapter 2, we learned he gave him a practical challenge. You can see it in chapter 2, verse number 1. He says, first of all, my son, be strong in the grace. Be strong, leaning upon God's enablement. Chapter 2, verse 2, he says, I want you to take the things you've learned and be a teacher. Pass it on to other people who will be faithful enough to take it to somebody else. In chapter 2, verse 3, he says, I want you to be like a soldier. Be strong. Be selfless. Um, be simple. Live simply. Don't, don't get caught up with the affairs of this life, but focus on pleasing the one. And we need a warfare mentality. All of us do. And he challenged them, be a soldier. And then he says, be an athlete, play by the rules. If you strive for mastery, you're only going to win if you strive lawfully and you stay within the rules of the game, whatever that may be, be obedient to God's laws, God's rules. Don't play outside of God's rules so that you can win as, a, as a, an athlete. Then he tells them, be a farmer as a husbandman who labors, work hard, be faithful so you and I will be fruitful. Then he challenges them to meditate or to think about the things that, that you are. Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding. 
One of the weaknesses of our day and of my weakness, especially is we just don't take time to think, to think through things. Think before you talk. Think before you make a decision. Pray about it. Ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do here? How do I want to respond? If you respond in the way that we're used to responding, we're going to make a mess out of things. How many believe that sin complicates life? <laughs> Whenever you say things you shouldn't say, you can't bring those words back. He said, consider what I'm trying to tell you, and the Lord will give you wisdom in what to do. And remember that your life is about the gospel. It's about the word of God. It's about the things of God. It's about getting the gospel to another person ultimately. In 1, Peter, 1 Timothy chapter 2, when Paul tells Timothy to pray, he says, pray that all men would come to the knowledge of the truth. This is good and acceptable to the Lord our Savior. When we pray, whatever you pray about, you ought to pray that people hear the gospel. I would encourage you to memorize the people that live around you. Remember, memorize the names of the people you work with. I was so glad this morning to go back here and see that some of our members who have worked with other people in the community, one by one, the husband got saved, then the wife got saved. Now they want to get baptized and follow the Lord. That's wonderful. There's a, there's a prayer that goes out of that. Boy, when you pray for people, you become more sensitive to them. Why do we pray for government? Because no one can complicate Christianity and the spread of the gospel quite like the government can. He said, you're praying for the government so that people can get saved, not so that we can have a better life. Not so that we can, we can, have a, we can be better in America. America is not going to get better and better. But we pray for the government so that we can reach the lost. Tomorrow morning, I'll have a government official on a radio program. And he's not yet saved to my knowledge, but I'm, but, but I'm praying for him. I'm praying for our mayor. I'm praying for our councilman. I'm praying that God will bless our representatives and our two senators, uh, Senator Braun, Senator Young. I'm praying that God will bless our, 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 our governor, Brother Holcomb, Mr. Holcomb. I don't know, and I can't get in all the weeds and all that's going on, but the truth of the matter is, what God wants me to pray for is that we will have an opportunity to keep giving the gospel. That people can get saved. And uh, because if they want to, they can cause all kinds of mayhem. If you don't believe that, ask California. <laughs> ask New Jersey. Ask China. Ask Venezuela, Uruguay. Some places where the government's got really excited about things. They, they want to close things down. I, I agree. This week I've listened to and have read several missionary reports on emails, and they said, man, we're locked down again. They've limited us to 10 people per service, and it's just miserable. We're having church every night of the week just to try to get through everybody on our list because of lockdowns again, and people are being threatened if they get out of their house at a certain time, and all of that. Well, the government does that. We pray that. God will use uh, the government and give us freedom to get the gospel out. And if we give us freedom, we ought to take advantage of the freedom. And that's one of the things we don't do very well, but we need to do that. But he tells them, I want you to remember it's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he tells them, he said, I want you to learn to be able to handle difficult things and realize it's not about us, it's about the gospel. Look, if you would please, chapter 2, and let's back up to look verse number 9. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to bonds, but the word of God is not bound. He says, I am, I'm going through a hard time. I've been treated like a criminal and I've been put in jail again, and this time he will not get out. This will be his last jail cell. He'll go to heaven from this jail cell. However, he said, I've been treated like an evildoer, but 
The word of God is not bound. Aren't you glad for that? He said, therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake. I endure everything I'm going through for people to be saved. That's who he's referencing. That they may also obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus, for eternal glory. It is a faithful saying that if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. That kind of looks like it might have been a song. Uh, some Bible scholars believe that that was a song that was sung with the new believers. It was a faithful saying. It was something that, it was like a poem or a song that might have been sung. If we be dead with him, we shall live with him. Look at the next verse. It says there, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. And so that was a little bit of a, it looks like to me, a possible little rhyme or a song that was sung by the new believers back in that day. Verse 8, 14, read it out loud with me, would you please? Uh, these things, put them in remembrance that they strive not about words to no profit. He says, watch out that you don't get baited into arguments. Listen, if you're a soul winner, you're not trying to win an argument, you're trying to win a soul. <laughs> you're trying to get the gospel out. Don't get caught up in arguing. Sometimes I've been, I've been soul winning, I get caught up with arguing someone 45 minutes when quite frankly there was somebody who needed to hear the gospel who was ready to listen. Be careful about that. He says, don't get caught up in that because some people are subverting souls. That word subverting, the Greek word means catastrophic. It means catastrophe. It means causes someone to go through a catastrophe. And when someone gets bad doctrine, that's what happened. So he says, so that you don't get caught up in dumb questions. By the way, young men, young ladies, watch out for your social medias. Watch out for your podcasts. I'm not saying they're all wrong, but I'm just telling you, uh, usually there's a who when someone takes a, uh, an exit. Paul said, you did run well. Who did hinder you? And be careful who you listen to. I'm not saying that I have everything right. I, I am a, I'm a finite individual. I make mistakes. I've said things I shouldn't say. I believe things at one time that I found out were not true. I want to be sure as I can to be as faithful to tell you what the Word of God says. If it's a personal opinion, I, try, I want to try to tell you that this is my personal opinion. This is my perspective. But uh, I will tell you this. There's a lot of people, a lot of noise out there that you and I should not be listening to. And especially when we're young. We're a little bit more prone to that, a little more prone to just find something new. That's why Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, the things, uh, he said, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these basic things, you're going to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And I don't want to get bored with the basics. I don't, I don't want to say that we're not supposed to dig deeper into the word of God, but I don't want to get bored with the basic things. I want to obey what God has to say. And I do think that God's telling some things that are very obvious, but we're always that when you got fine, fine young people and, and, and leaders trying to give you all this new stuff, be careful about that. Be careful. When you got people who are argumentative, always wanting to debate, ask you dumb questions that generate, that take you down trails that you don't have any business going around, and rather than just getting back to the simplicity that is in Christ that Paul talks about in the, in the church of Corinth. He says, be careful about that. Now he says, here's a solution. Verse number five, 15, are you ready? Let's read it together. Study to show thyself a workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He said, I want you to stay a student. And he tells him here with all the other analogies, he says, now I want you to be a student. I want you to be someone. You can read the paper, but study your Bible. 
You can appreciate the paper, but love your Bible. You can take a nod at Fox, Fox uh, News or, or someone else is saying something, but may I say to you, you ought to get and meditate on the Bible. Meditate on the Scriptures. Don't just read it, close it, and take on your day. He said, study your Bible and show yourself approved unto whom? God. You don't study. The Bible says, much knowledge puffeth up. And occasionally somebody can get so excited about all they know and so proud of themselves that they think they're becoming an authority on things, but actually they're becoming proud and an antithesis to what God wants us to learn about. We ought to, we ought to study the Bible to show ourselves approved unto the Lord. I don't care who you are. You ought to ask the Lord, God, help me to study what I know. Every once in a while, I have an opportunity, and I've been through several ordination councils besides the one I went through. And I remember going through my ordination council, and my pastor assembled numbers of pastors, and they came, and they began asking me questions. God give, uh, John, give us some verses on eternal security. Give us some verses on the baptism of the believer. Give us some verses on the deity of Christ. Sometimes I, I find that people are just clueless on that. They couldn't give us three verses if our life depended upon it. On the, on the eternal security believer. If I ask you tonight, and every one of us, I don't care if, you're, if you've been saved for six months, you ought to be able to find a few verses in the Bible from, without being a concordance cripple, on why can someone be saved and not lose their salvation. You ought to be able to take the Bible and show me, give me a couple verses on the deity of Christ that proves that Jesus is God. You know what that takes? It takes study. And you're going to have an opportunity to share it to someone. You're going to be, you're going to go on blah, 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 blah. Or you're going to say, let's look and see what God has to say about that. Can I show you this? I'm not, I'm not, I don't think you have to spend a lot of time trying to debate people of false religions. But I'm telling you, you're going to have some simple people that need some simple answers. And we ought to study to show ourselves. The Bible tells us in the book of Peter, be, be always ready. To give an answer to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that lieth in you with, with, with respect, with a, with a, sovereign, uh, with a, a soberness and respect, not being condescending, not, not trying to argue. But, you know, the Apostle Paul was very effective at reasoning with people. What do you think about that? What, can you explain to me? Read this first and tell me what you think God's trying to say here. Well, here's what I think it says. Remember one time, and, and it's happened many times, and I'm not an authority on that. I, there's so much more I need to learn about God and His Word and challenges on that. But I think the admonition should be taken here. Paul is telling Timothy, knowing what I know, knowing that the time of my departure is at hand, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman who spends time, by the way, the reason we don't know the Bible is because it's work. A workman. This is the tool of our trade. This is the word that's going to endure how long? He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. He said, the flower fadeth, the grass withereth, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. It's something we ought to make sure that we know. We ought to say, Lord, help me. Say, Pastor, I, I, I'm a housewife. Learn the Bible. I'm a teenager. Learn the Bible. 
And I'll tell you something, this will help you. If you'll disciple someone, you'll learn that way better than you will by listening to someone teach. Some of you, it would be good to take a class in the Hammond Bible Institute. We're going to graduate a whole new group of people here. And what a wonderful time on Tuesday nights to see the maturation process take place in men and women of God. And I hope you'll consider taking that. And you'll learn something by doing that. You'll learn something by using those exercises. But I also say you'll learn something if you'll learn to disciple someone. All of us have 168 hours in our week. Not a one of us have a minute more or a minute less. And there are people in this world, in this community, that would love it if you would take a few minutes every week and teach them the Bible. You have lessons. And one of those things those lessons do that Dr. Douglas and, and uh, Brother Seymour and Brother Justin Holmes and Brother, Brother Jorgensen and myself worked on is it's full of the Bible. You just keep reading what the Bible says. You have a question, and the answer comes from the Bible. Start teaching people, and you'll start using those muscles yourself. And if you say, well, I just don't have time. In my opinion, friend, uh, you need to adjust your time. You just say, Lord, what can I do? Who can I sit with? Most everybody who grows in the Lord has, can point back to a person who helped them to that state, who helped them grow. Anybody who's a strong Christian, most everyone, if I just went down the, down the aisle or up in the balcony, I said, now, who helped you? Who helped you? Most of us. And some of it might be in your dad, your mom, might be in your youth pastor. It, it might be your school teacher. It was somebody who invested in you. Well, keep doing that to somebody else. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not sure anybody wants to hear from me. There is somebody who wants to hear from you. There's somebody who would love it if you would take a few minutes with them. Go get you a, a discipleship lesson. Get one for you, one for them, and go through it with them. They'll be helped, you'll be helped. And God will help us on that. But then it, it forces us to study. And to study to show ourselves approving to God. Look at the next one. He says in verse 16, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase into more ungodliness. He said, don't get caught up in arguments about theological challenges necessarily. And their word will eat as doth a canker or a cancer or gangrene, of which is Hymenius and Philetus. Now, this is unusual. We don't do a lot of this, and I'm not so sure it's, it's, it's probably what we ought to do. But Paul, in writing to this individual, once again, this is not a letter that was written by the church at, at Ephesus or to Corinth. But he called out these men. In 1 Timothy, he called out Hymenius and Alexander. Here he calls out Philetus and Alexander. And every once in a while, I think it's a good idea, if you build a relationship with someone, and there was a relationship between Paul and Timothy, he said, look, watch out for Hymenius. Watch out for Philetus. They are gradually, slowly taking and overthrowing the faith of genuine people. They're like a canker. They're like gangrene, just slowly killing someone from the bottom up. He said, watch out for them. And I think every once in a while that maybe needs to be done. I, I, I don't think I want to be a harsh or unkind or you should be unkind or, or in, in using every uh, a soapbox to yell out somebody's name. But I will tell you sometimes when people are hurting people with bad doctrine, there's just not a, very, a more, a more a challenging way to hurt somebody. Because doctrine determines destiny. I hate it when someone falls into immorality and it's terrible. But more people have been damned and confused and messed up through bad doctrine than immorality, in my opinion. 
People just get squirrely. And usually there's always a person. I have a dear friend of mine. I love them very much. But they were on the mission field. And they were doing a great job. But unfortunately, they got a missionary who, was, who, was, uh, who just had all knowledge. And began having them come over. And began asking them dumb questions. And here they had a great people. They were soul winning doing that. After a while, he told his wife, um, I don't want you to go soul winning anymore. If God's going to bring someone to Christ, he's going to do it on his own. He doesn't need us to do it. And before you know it, they just went off the, the deep end. And it all happened because he got, in, got involved with listening to someone they shouldn't listen to. And now there were, I remember going and being there with that missionary and seeing the plethora of people, the souls, listening to their testimonies. And then they moved from that work to just goof around. And just not do what God wanted to do. And it all started because of a bad influence. And I can have that happen to me and you can have that happen to you. He said, look, don't get caught up in dumb, vain babblings. Empty talk that generates strife. And we'll see it again later on. Look at the next verse, if you would, please. In verse number 18. Who concerning the truth, here's what happens. They've erred. Saying that the resurrection has passed already, that was their issue at this time. And what do they do with this bad doctrine? They overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands assured. Nevertheless, the word of God can be counted on. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Everybody that says they're his are not his. And I can't know that. You don't know that. That's why the Bible says the Lord knows that. Uh, you, can look, you can evaluate someone's fruit and find out what's going on. And the book of 1 John helps us to know if, that uh, we can have eternal life. And you can't always know. But I will tell you this right here. He says, the Lord knows who is this. But stay with the scriptures. The word of God, stand, the, the foundation of God, stand assured. Don't get caught up in personalities, in, 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 in charismas, or even in false doctrine that can be a little bit slippery. And those things, the Bible tells us, goes on. So let everyone that nameth the name of Christ, would you read the next three verse, words? Yeah, it's a decisive departure. He said, look, you're gonna, if you got this, if you're naming the name of Christ, get away from questionable things. And then he's going to go into a talk about vessels. And uh, let's read it together if we can. Verse number 20. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver and also of wood and earth or clay. And some to honor and some to dishonor. He said, in a great house, there are multiple vessels. Some are gold, some are silver, some are made of wood, some are made of earth or clay. Some are honorable, some are to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared into every good work. Flee also youthful lust and follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. By the way, is teaching us there that we have to practice, first of all, cleanliness, having clean lives. Let me just tell you, and the Bible says, follow people. You're going to have to find a crowd you're going to sit in. And oftentimes we gravitate to, to what's easy for us. The music I like, the lifestyle I like. Well, I like Christianity with this way. And I'm just, I, just, I just say to you, you better evaluate where are the people going that you're hanging around because that's where you're going to end up. Where are they going? He said, you want to find people that have a pure heart. None of us are all we ought to be in that area, but pure heart. 
a clean conscience, that are going the right way with God and follow after that. Flee youthful lust and follow after those things. He said, in a great house, there are multiple vessels and we use them for different things. Some are very honorable, some are dishonorable. But here's the, here's the thing. He says, if you're a vessel, and when God refers to a vessel, oftentimes he's talking about a person's body. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he'll say, I want you to possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor. He said, make sure you handle that. He said, but what vessel you are, if it's gold, silver, wood, or earth, that's not as important. What's really important is it's clean. If you, if you have a gold cup in your, in, your, uh, in your cabinet and you have a wood cup there, but the gold cup is green and it's got a booger hanging off of it and someone's lipstick from three months ago on there, and then the, and the wood cup is clean, which one would you take out to drink out of? You don't care if it's gold or wood. What you want to know, is it, is it clean? He said, in a vessel, there's many houses. And what you're good at, what God made you, the gifts and the strengths that you have, because sometimes the most gifted servants of Christ have a filthy mind, a filthy mouth, a filthy lifestyle. Hypocrisy just 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 comes out of them, and it grieves. It doesn't matter. And some other folks, they, they don't really, they probably are not that good, not that smart, not that flashy, but they're clean. And you see God using them in a wonderful way because their motives are pure, their lives are pure, their morals are pure. And this is what God says. Look, in a great house, in God's house, there are many vessels. He says, but purge yourself. Get yourself clean. Flee youthful lust. And here we find another analogy. Be a student and be a clean vessel. And then lastly, he says, be a servant. Look at the last three verses and we'll conclude. Verse number 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle with all men, apt to teach and patient. He said, God's people, God's servants should not be looking for the fight they can get in. Arguing with people, being aggravating, debating. But he should be gentle with all men ready to teach when someone's ready to listen and patient with people. Verse 25, read it with me. Would you please everyone in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So he said, look, keep working with people. You know, that's what God wants us to do. The end of all these things, I think, is he says, look, you're working your way. Why do you want to be a teacher? Why do you want to be clean? Why do you want to be a servant, excuse me, uh, a soldier? Hey, because we're going to be a servant of Christ. He's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful athlete. He said, but the servant of God, don't get caught up in argument, but be gracious to people and keep working with people in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Have you ever found out how hard it is to kind of build people in Jesus? It's very difficult. You ever try to, you say, Pastor, I don't know, I think uh, you, want, you want to get a challenge? You want to say, I don't really have much to pray about. Start a Sunday school class and see what you have to pray about. Try to build a bus route. Try to, try to, try to disciple four or five converts and see if you have something to pray about after that. When you get in the weeds and working with people, you're going to see, man, I need the Lord. And the servant of God doesn't need to be caught up with striving, but he needs to be caught up with, with uh, working with people, patient with people, 
When you see uh, the thoughts of, of exhortation in the New Testament in, in the book of Romans, you'll find. They said, man, if you're working with people, you need to be uh, continuing instant in prayer. Patience and hope. And keep on praying. Because you're going to work with people that God is working in. That God is going to cause repentance. One of the things that just frustrates the fire out of me, and you too, if you work with people, is just... The, they take one step forward and three steps back. I mean, they're just growing, growing. All of a sudden, you, they stop answering your call. They stop responding to your text. You're like, what in the world? They were doing so well. And then all of a sudden, they're just not, not doing as well. And it's very hurtful. You know what God tells us? Keep working with people. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Whenever someone is not walking with God, they're their own worst enemy. And God is trying to work to bring repentance. Repentance means a change, a turning. You're going this way, and you repent, and you go this way. I'm sure that each of our men could give testimonies of people that you, you love them. You want them to grow. But here's their problem. They need to repent. When I'm wrong with God, I'm my own worst enemy. I need to repent, change it, admit it, and quit it. But then look who has to do what. Look at the last verse. Would you look at verse 26? Can we read it out loud together? Here's what happens when they acknowledge, by the way, the way they repent is when they see the truth. What does the truth do? The tr you, you, you know the truth, and the truth makes you what? Free. And the, what, the reason we get off whack is we start believing a lie. And sometimes the truth is the elephant in the living room. People say, well, I'm not going there, a bunch of hypocrites over there. It's not their problem. That's not their problem. Well, I don't, I don't appreciate Well, I see what happened to my leader. He went this way. Well, that's not their problem. It's a lie. They need to acknowledge the truth. And he said when they acknowledge the truth, then they can recover them. Recover them. Look at verse 20, 26, and let's conclude. And that they may recover who? Out of the snare of the who hath taken them captive at his will. The devil uses deceit. He uses discouragement. He uses doubt. He uses division. Anything he can to keep a snare around somebody and jerk them around back and forth. He just takes them a snare and just pulls them back and forth. By the way, if you find yourself in that snare, you can recover yourself. Find out the real truth. Acknowledge the truth the Holy Spirit is trying to point out to you. And say, God, I need the help here in this situation. And if you're working with people, you just keep need to point them to the truth and keep in meekness, adjusting to their agenda, pace. You can't change anyone. Husbands, wives, and the most frustrating things you'll ever do is try to change your spouse. Changing your spouse will not work. Growing in Christ will. Meekness will work. God's repentance can happen. You try to change your husband, try to change your wife, you're going to frustrate the fire of yourself. What you can do is just say, Lord, I want to grow in Christ and be a meek, a servant of God that will not strive, but be gentle, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, working with people that oppose themselves, that you could bring repentance by them acknowledging the truth, that they can recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who's taken them captive at his will. A lot of practical advice in this challenge by Timothy, for Timothy from the Apostle Paul that I think is... Just as uh, practical in 2021 as it was when he wrote it from the Mamertine prison. Let's pray together, can we? 